Welcome to Player One on Sin. The song you just heard was our intro. <laughs> Sorry, I, d- I couldn't I couldn't help it. I've never gotten to do it. I had to say it. I, I just enjoy Player One so much and all this cool stuff. Guys, Player One, we're all about it. We're all about video games. In case you want to check us out, in case you love us for all the cool things we're going to be talking about, you should check out our socials, which is at Player One Sin on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Player One on YouTube. Player One on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. That's where you can check out all of our previous episodes. You can check out our review of uh, Crash Nitro Fuel by Connor. Our Tetris Effect uh, review and Popeye for Switch review are also up. And an interview with our Canberra-based uh, Nintendo Switch. Bleh, a Canberra-based Nintendo Twitch streamer, uh, Elmza is up there on the Play One podcast realms and YouTube, guys. Play One, really cool. I'm super excited for the show. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We're going to be talking a lot about the news first, but then we're going to really get into the games, the games, the fun games, the ones that we love, the ones that we hate. And now we've got just a few tasty headlines for you. Not a lot going on in, in the gaming community, but some of these headlines we will be discussing later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. But for now... Some exciting news for Lord of the Rings fans. The Lord of the Rings Gollum game has been given a September 1st release date. The game will be available on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. This includes Xbox One and PS4, so old-gen users, you still get to play the game. And a Switch release is reportedly in the works for later on in the year, so that's exciting as well. On to some uh, more serious news. Sony is being sued for gender discrimination at PlayStation again. Uh, More on this later in the show, but... The Last of Us TV show will most likely be getting released in early 2023. This update comes from Kantamir Balagov, uh, who is directing the show's pilot episode. So lovely bit of news, bit of an update on the show, given we haven't really heard anything in terms of release. We haven't gotten a trailer, anything like that. So nice to see, hopefully, this show coming out early next year. Um, Some more serious news and something we'll be discussing later on the show as well is that gaming company Raven Software have voted in favor of unionizing their workplace. Um, Fantastic steps forward. And as I said, we'll be covering that a bit more later on. Uh, Something that I know Nathan would be super keen about. Sadly, he's not here, but Warhammer will be getting a showcase on June 1st, which will feature new trailers, news and sneak peeks for what fans can expect for the future. Uh, And this showcase will be streamed live on Twitch. So Any Warhammer fans get keen for that? Something we're very keen for. And another thing we'll be discussing a bit later is that Thor Love and Thunder finally got a full-length trailer. Uh, We got a look at Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, Natalie Portman returning as Jane Foster as the Mighty Thor. Uh, So very exciting. The trailer was amazing and we're very keen to dissect it. So enjoy when we have a bit of a chat about that. Uh, And Sims 4 is adding custom pronouns seven years after release. We did cover that a bit more, but it's been confirmed and a fantastic step forward in inclusivity and diversity in the gaming space. Great to see Sims doing this. And hopefully this means that, you know, rather than, you know, being a rare thing, this will become a a commodity in gaming, which is obviously the the ideal outcome, but good on the Sims 4 for, for leading the way. 
And now, Hugo, what new releases in the gaming world have we got this week? Well, um, in terms of releases, uh, we've got we've got a got a got a fair few. Um, of course, we've recently had a um, a, a new Genshin Impact update being announced. That's coming out May the thirty first. Um, it's still an absolute titan of a game, so I'm sure that fans everywhere are excited to see that happening soon. Insomnus Enhanced Edition is also going to be released for the PS5 on May thirty first as well. So, um, people who have got the regular edition. Look out for that. Um, next up, we've got The Last Taxi, which is coming out on PC VR. So people with an Oculus or anything in between, look out for that one. That's also coming out on May the 31st. Next is Samurai Riot Definitive Edition, which is coming out on PC and Switch. That was on June the 1st. Then Silt, uh, which is a PC, PS5, Xbox Series S, X, PS1, Sorry, PS4 and then Xbox One. I read the two things together and I added them, but regardless. And also releasing on the Switch. That's coming out on June 1st. If you've got a console, and you can probably get it, which is uh, always lovely to see. Diablo Immortal, which I'm sure a lot of people are very excited about. Coming out on PC on June the 2nd. And then Giga Apocalypse. Whew. Uh, it's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on June the 2nd. Pretty surprising considering how Xbox One and PS4 are considered mostly not quite phased out, but um, definitely last gen and not what most people are gunning for nowadays. Regardless, um, Empire, Dukes of the Far, of the Far Frontier uh, PC game is also releasing on the 3rd of June. Um, that's it in terms of releases, but um, yeah. We're here on Player One on Zen, where we're going to be talking a little bit about Raven Software and unionization. Now, Eleni, you had some stuff that you were able to share with us on that. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to keep sort of covering this issue um, in the sense that it's a shame that, you know, that these sort of disputes, um, this sort of behavior in the gaming space is something that's just not going away. But the the fantastic thing about this particular moment is that, you know, it's a really big win for workers in the gaming space, particularly, obviously, at Raven Software. Um, and they've officially finally voted um, to unionize, which is a fantastic thing in terms of making sure that they're able to support themselves, support their workplace, have a safe workplace, fight for their rights, something that unfortunately is not a common occurrence in the gaming space and what really sort of took my breath away is that Raven Software are actually the first AAA gaming company in North America to to have a union which is honestly mind-boggling like I I read that and you know this news comes from a report um, written uh, in IGN Uh, I just think it's a fantastic thing that they've been able to bring this together Um, the the vote was undertaken by approximately 28 employees who were considered eligible to vote um, 24 of the votes were submitted and it was basically everyone that voted in favor of this unionization. Um, obviously lots of reports in the past year have come out about Activision Blizzard in terms of the way that they've been treating their employees, lots of social misconduct, gender discrimination, something that we'll be chatting about a bit later, but that time in regards to Sony. Uh, so it's a saddening time in the gaming space given that we have to keep talking about this but this is absolutely a positive thing for all of the workers at raven software who have put this together who have worked hard for this who have backed themselves um it's just a fantastic thing such brave brave move 
and moments from them. Uh, I guess to give people a bit of context, basically this just gives them legal cover in terms of fighting for things like their employment contract. Um, if there are any issues, they have sort of protection against these things or they are more supported than what they would have been previously. Uh, and I guess the the other fantastic thing is hopefully this means that other gaming companies, other companies across the world, not just in the gaming space, uh, who don't have a union, aren't protected in that sort of way, will feel inspired to really come out and support themselves and their their co-workers. So That's actually a fantastic point as well, because that's one thing they spoke on when they did unionize as well, that they're our biggest hope, I'm quoting it here now, is that our union serves as inspiration for the growing movement of workers organizing at the video game studios to create better games and build workspaces that reflect our values and empower all of us. So yeah, that's entirely like hopefully possible, I guess, at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Hugo, what are your thoughts on this? I think that it's about time, really. Um yeah, like if you if you look at any sort of um company in general, whether that be, you know, in construction, business, being a lawyer, um, even in hospitality and stuff, they all have unions and it's it's kind of strange to think that it's been taken this long for some, like a triple A studio to actually have, you know, a union. It's kind of it's kind of a bit strange because um I guess everything's been running off a cookie cutter system for now, but um, you know, change can also be very beneficial. So I'm I'm all for it really. Um yeah. About time. No, absolutely. And um, I think that's one thing that I've spoken about on the show when we've done coverage for this previously. But I think it's really interesting when you sort of compare it to, and obviously, you know, you can't make direct comparisons, but when you look at sort of these issues that take place in, say, you know, the the film space or the TV community and that industry, you know, we there's so much more coverage that's so much more well-known, you know, like the general public has a idea of sort of the sexual misconduct or workplace harassment issues that those industry face yet you know the gaming space never really gets that sort of attention and I think it's really unfortunate because it means that these issues tend to get swept under the rug more than say other you know big profile industries like the film industry for example so I think it's really fantastic that this is not only happening but then you have these really fantastic brave workers you know coming out making public statements talking about how their hope for the future is that this becomes the norm. I think it's just unbelievably inspiring in all honesty to see them not only obviously supporting themselves, but you know, the the future of the gaming community, because it's such a growing industry and you don't want sort of these bad habits that have been in place for so long, you know, permeating the foundations of the future of the industry. You sort of, and I guess in a way need a complete deconstruction of what the games industry looks like. If for so long, like you said, Hugo, you know, unionization hasn't been the norm in these big studios. So it's great to see this this step forward. It is fantastic. Uh, Tom, before we wrap this one up, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think it's really, it's inspiring to see, especially after having heard that uh, Raven Software had been working against having their employees unionize and especially a company that was kind of a subsidiary of something like uh, Activision Blizzard that had such horrible things go on that they're we're kind of getting the foot in the door of standing against the the i don't want to say big bad but the horrible people of the industry that like 
we see Activision and Blizzard often representing, sadly. I'm excited for the future of unions in video games. Anyways, moving on. You're listening to Player One on Sin. And in this segment, we are going to be talking about how EA has been um, in a, uh, a lot of talks about trying to get bought out by other companies. Now, um, they've recently um, been talking with uh, NBC Universal. Um, they've had lawyers talking and everything, but they haven't actually been acquired by anyone yet. But um, I'm thinking that, in my opinion, I think we're going to get a um, an Activision Blizzard kind of scenario here where either... I don't, I don't think Nintendo will be in the running for this, but either PlayStation or Sony in this case, or Microsoft will try and swoop in and get that, you know, uh, get the behemoth that is EA under their wing. Because while, while you know, the, most of the games recently from it haven't exactly been the most polished um, things in the world, it's still got a lot of killer titles like, um, like Apex Legends and um, not so much FIFA anymore, but... Um, the EA Sports brand in general. So I think that it's going to be snapped up if they open like themselves up for other companies, to be honest. But um, yeah, Thomas, do you have any opinions on this? Any hot takes? Oh, I have a few actually. Thank you so much for asking. It's interesting that we see this now two weeks after FIFA announced that they were parting ways with EA and that 23 would be the last FIFA EA game, which is, I think, part of why it's so exciting to see EA be like, oh, 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 no, oh, no. Because uh, FIFA was responsible for... FIFA 21 earned uh, EA $700 million in profits. Um, so, I mean, th- th- that was a big... It was a big horse for them to that's lose crazy. That. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. And to know that that's gone, EA might be really kind of struggling on where they represent. Now... Uh, I won't say NBC falls under this bracket. I don't know much about NBC, but in the rumors that we're going to hear something from Disney, from Apple or Amazon, I can't help but think like all the companies that are interested in EA kind of feel like the EA of their own scene. Um, like I, I put down a question mark here. What if we saw Facebook, uh, like Alienware? I feel like those are the kinds of companies that I would associate the brand title of EA with. Actually, I think that Facebook is a bit dangerous because one, I don't want to see that, and two, oh, I don't, I, I, I don't. Like, I, I that would like, I would, I would actually stop playing Apex Legends if they got acquired by Facebooks. Oh, sorry, yeah. Facebook, but um, because you know, it's, they they acquired Oculus like a few years back, so um, I think that's actually a very valid concern to have, honestly. Sorry, like, I, I guess we should correct it. Meta. <laughs> I don't care. I like honestly don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, that was my own mistake because I realized now my meta headset does no longer need my Facebook login. Now, um, but one fear I have about Disney acquiring EA is that Disney is becoming the multimedia monopoly that they the mouse dreams. Uh, not that they aren't already, arguably, but seeing them control a massive like collection of game development studios and brand titles such as EA, I would be afraid of the the behemoth, the multimedia uh, consuming god that they would become. Uh, I don't know. I, I would wish that maybe all the companies kind of like, oh, hey, we can make games with an EA and just go off and do their own thing. But 
you know, uh, I, I can uh, wish upon a star, as the Disney folks would say. <laughs> Eleni, did you have any hot takes about EA? Oh, honestly, I just, like, I mean, the acquisition thing has just been crazy this year. I feel like, you know, every every show we're talking about, and particularly Sony and Microsoft, just, like, eating smaller studios and developers. Um, but this actually really made me laugh because... I think that, it, you know, it's all of these acquisitions typically have been very hush-hush and then all of a sudden there's been this acquisition. Whereas I feel like there's almost this sense that EA wants someone to buy them out, but like people kind of don't want to, you know, like EA, yeah. or, you know, EA have some classic titles and I just wonder if it's a situation of, and going back to, you know, before when Hugo said about NBC Universal, that was something that was happening towards the end of last year um, as reports have been discussing and that essentially they couldn't come to an agreement in terms of pricing so i just wonder if bless ea's soul but if they're kind of you know giving themselves a bit too much credit and maybe you know the amount of money um they're looking at is something that people aren't prepared to pay for but then on on that note when you've got things like disney apple amazon being thrown around i mean they're kind of you know the the i don't know the money bags of the real world so I imagine that they've got the the cash to spare, but it's interesting. It's a, yeah, go ahead. So Tom. hearing that it's been going on for a while, that might explain why we saw such like grand explosions of, oh my God, we're going to release all this Star Wars stuff, all these things that we often see when studios are looking to be bought out. They're kind of trying to inflate their worth. Similar thing happened with Fox. They just put hundreds of movies into development that they didn't actually plan to do much with. But outside of most sort of pseudo indie games that we see EA fund, the only titles I can think of off the top of my head outside of sports that EA represent are Battlefield, 50% of Star Wars, Apex slash Titanfall, and The Sims. So then I guess, how much do we see those, uh, the value of those? Oh, we also have uh, Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. I know the, the people like Mass Effect are here. Yes, that is a very good point. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's so bizarre. Like, this is the one time where we've really kind of just had a studio be like, yeah, I want I want to get eaten by a bigger studio, um, which makes me a little bit sad, I think, because it shows that, like, I not that it's a way out. It's definitely not a way out. Obviously, you know, if they get a big paycheck out of this, good on them, that's fantastic. But it does make me sad that that's kind of where we're at in terms of entertainment, where, like, if a studio gets to a point where it's successful, people know the brand, then you've got the the biggest studios that can then come in and sort of buy them out and then kind of take the creative control. I think, you know, that's why there's such a difference nowadays between, you know, AAA titles and indie titles. I feel like kind of the, the middle ground is kind of lost a little bit because once those indie titles get built up to a point where they've got a name and a brand, those bigger ones just come in and eat them alive. So it worries me because I don't want it to get to the point where, you know, there's this giant monopoly. There already is sort of that looming threat, but it's really getting to the point where, you know, like if a company like EA is saying, yeah, buy me out, then like, I guess what kind of message is that sending for the community at large? But that's just my, my hot take on this one. Good luck to them. I mean, I think that it's going to be like something like Amazon for some reason. I don't know. I could just see it happening. So I'm sure in the coming months we'll find out. 
Uh, and now, unfortunately, folks, we have some more sort of um, disheartening uh, news coming out of the the gaming space. Um, we mentioned it earlier on in our quick little headline news segment, but we're going to do a bit of a deep dive now because um, Sony is being sued again for gender discrimination um, within the, the PlayStation workspace. Um, so this was recently covered by Kotaku, uh, where they sort of spoke about the issue itself, looking at the lawsuit, um, as well as where it's come from. So to give a bit of context, um, a former PlayStation employee is suing Sony, so the parent company, um, for a second time. And the lawsuit has been described as gender-based discrimination and gender-based harassment. Um, and this follows a similar legal action that was taken and dismissed in, in April. Um, so unfortunate that clearly it's a pressing issue that was either uh, mishandled or minimized previously. It's um, upsetting that the, the worker feels the need to, to, to re-bring this up, but clearly it's a, a major issue. Um, and the particular worker that has sort of filed for this lawsuit is a person named Emma Major. Um, they work for PlayStation um, in the financial systems as the business analyst. Um, and so essentially um, what she's claiming in terms of her termination for working there as well as sort of the the issue at hand um is she said and i quote that sony tolerates and cultivates a work environment that discriminates against female employees including female employees and those who identify as female um the lawsuit then goes on to add that because of sony's systemic pattern and practice of gender discrimination the plaintiff and members of the proposed class have suffered harm including lost compensation payback employee benefits and emotional distress so I guess what's even more, I guess, upsetting and frustration is not only is this sort of um, harassment, but it's also looking at legal compensation, which is obviously something that, you know, permeates not only the gaming industry, but industries at large, you know, the discussion of sort of um, female employees and non-binary folk not getting paid in a, a fair wage in compared to male identifying workers. Uh, so to see sort of this issue coming out of, of Sony being one of the the biggest gaming companies and entertainment companies in the world is really concerning um, and something that we don't want to see ever at all. But I guess in 2022, it's upsetting to see it. It's still occurring. Um, I guess, Tom, what are, what are your thoughts on, on hearing this news? Saddened, uh, but also sadly not surprised. I want to be surprised by the video game industry. And I feel like what that's going to take is for me to not hear sad news once. Uh, and especially with such a powerhouse as PlayStation, a company uh, that, you know, as a consumer, we like to believe we get a lot of value out of. We see them representing a lot of like solo teams and like grand expensive storytelling events that are more inclusive but often it feels like the companies themselves that had these things kind of let us down a lot and having read what the claims were about uh, i think i felt like I, I was devastated emotionally this is quite an intense journey and i recommend that uh you only read up about it if you feel like you're ready to read uh some of these things it's quite distressing to know but i i think I, I want to see a major spur of change in the games industry. And it's really hard to point one finger and say, this is what we need to see done for results. 
uh, as someone who's worked a lot in esports, I've dealt a lot with people coming into the scene and a lot of uh, rampant bigotry and sexism that I see as well as a person going into it myself. And it makes me afraid, I guess, for an industry that I have a lot of passion for that about what does it mean for what we give as consumers or participants or developers? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, it, it breaks mine too. And I, um, I, I guess I wonder, I've done a lot of reflecting on this and, you know, I've, I've interviewed women in the, in the gaming industry, women in STEM. Uh, and I think, and I, you know, I pose this to you, Hugo, potentially is that I wonder if these issues are starting to pop up now because, after all this time, women are actually finally kind of getting jobs in the gaming space. I think that's, you know, something I've reported on outside of the show is that, you know, when you look at the breakdown of people working in the industry, it is quite a male dominated and male identifying dominated workplace, particularly, you know, in the positions higher up. Uh, so I, I just wonder if these issues are starting to surface now, not because they've never been there, but I guess because now the workforce is, permeated by by women you know and non-binary folk more so than it that it ever has been Hugo do you think that maybe that's a potential reason why these issues are, are starting to pop up more frequently than what they may have previously um I just yeah I think it's that and a combination of um people feeling that video game the industry is a bit more of an established industry I guess and that um, people actually do care about how their working conditions are and um, they're seeing like other people in different industries industries going through something similar and um, being compensated for it in some way, at least I hope they would be, and, and, seeing, and say, thinking to themselves, um, you know, I'm not alone. I should be speaking out about this. And, um, you know, it's, it's if, if other people aren't supposed to be, facing this then i shouldn't be either and honestly it's it's the bare minimum that should be happening this is brian wecht and you're listening to player one on sin we are going to be talking about video games that have bad slash boring protagonists but have absolutely amazing villains um it's a pretty broad spectrum but um i guess i'll dive into it first before handing it off to tom to give him a bit of uh time to break down his characters a little bit more and think about a game quickly um i'm going to start off with portal because while the character of shell or chell or i'm not i'm not too sure how to pronounce it to be honest but um she while she is a silent protagonist she does have um some pretty interesting um aspects about her character but purely off the silent aspect um she's clearly overshadowed by glados and I'm um, spoilers for Portal 2 for anyone who hasn't played it yet. Um, I find that hard to believe. But um, also Wheatley, um, both of them being um, great personalities, um, great villains, having witty dialogue and um, just in general being really memorable. And um, if, when you think of Portal, you think of those two characters um, and to the point that they've become synonymous with um, the Half-Life lore as well because they are they are both in the same universe, both um, Half-Life and Portal. Um, and for that matter, uh, Dr. Breen is also a pretty good villain because he's in the Half-Life 2 universe because he is a um, he's kind of seen as a guy who made a deal with the devil being the Combine um, during the 7-hour war. 
And also to a degree, the G-Man almost, because while we still are unsure of what his motives are, most people see him as a villain. I kind of see him as a neutral force because he is doing things as per his um, contractors tell him to. But um, for all intents and purposes, purposes, most people do see him as a villain. So I'll categorize him as one. Um, you can't forget his voice and you can't forget his character. Tom, over to you. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I, I love thinking of villains because I think one great aspect of video games is you get put into the shoes of your main character. I don't want to think about what they're thinking about. I want to think about what I'm thinking about. It's how I want to kick those villains' asses. And especially a great one for this, I think, is uh, one of my favorite video game series of all time, uh, Borderlands, especially Borderlands 2. And I, I find it even funnier with these because the characters that you play as themselves in the games they're just nothing. They make grunts sometimes. They go, hey, hey. But then later on, these characters get spotlights and they become interesting, just not in the games that you play them in. And I, I love that. Uh, one recently for me was uh, Resident Evil Village and Seven, Ethan Winters, uh, the quip master himself. I, I've, I've always found his motivations really confusing. Uh, his, his methods strange. But, you know, all the villains in those games are so much fun to play against that I, I don't really care about what Ethan has to say. That was my dog just sneezing. Uh, I also have some quick notes. I did mention Half-Life in them as well. I do think G-Man, uh, Neutral Force, love G-Man though. Uh, and I, I have written here Bioshock 1. Mildly controversial, I feel. It's again, it's games where as you play you're like the the protagonist, uh, but the the villain in Bioshock One, I I, I find it extremely compelling. Uh, Eleni, would you kindly share with us your thoughts? I definitely will, and I just want to say, um, I like actually when you said that about the recent Resident Evil games, I was like, you're so right, and I feel like it's even more interesting <laughs> with those games because I think you're supposed to actually like sympathize with Ethan, like you know something like Bioshock, for example, it's literally like a silent protagonist, so like you can't really care about Jack. Whereas I feel like with yeah those Resident Evil games, I was playing through them and I was like. Ethan, just like be quiet. Like I don't care. Like I just want to see more of the charismatic oh. enemies. I don't know. Like oh, I was, so I had no sympathy. I was well, like, yeah, you, whatever you you're looking for, kid. Yeah, cool. <laughs> no, no. I think that's a certain charm about Ethan being so dumb that people like that you actually don't mind playing as him. I think that there's a certain aspect where you're like, if I was in his situation, I probably wouldn't be as like, like quippy about it, but. I'd have the same motives, you know? Um, I think there's, yeah, there's just a certain, not exactly dumb humor, but... <laughs> not a spoiler, I don't think the first... It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird game. Yeah. You get an email from your wife you haven't heard from for three years, okay? I don't think that that, that confused me. I wouldn't follow that lead. Oh, well, no, if it's no, your wife not, and you love them till the end of the earth... <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, yeah, that was... I wouldn't do it. I'll hide it. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%, actually. That was such a good answer, Tom. Um, but before we do wrap up, I guess one for me, um, and this is maybe controversial, um, is probably The Legend of Zelda. Like, I love Link, obviously. Like, Link, we love Link. And one of the most iconic silent protagonists, I think. But, you know, I just think in terms of the compelling nature of that story, I think the best part has always been, like, Ganon or Ganondorf um, and the sort of threat of, of that 
enemy. I think it's always been the most interesting part. I mean, Zelda's usually like the the voice piece for those games anyways. And like, I mean, let's be honest, most people think that Link is Zelda. So like, you know, really just goes to show that the the main iconic character is is the villain in that game. Um, but you know, hey, I, this. I know, but I hope that anyone listening in who's probably a bit angry at me, I mean, we've got lots of Zelda fans on the crew. I hope guys, it's all water under the bridge. Guys, here on Play One, I love video games, okay? And I, I make it a fact, I make it well-known, but I've been hiding some secrets from you. I, I have some extremely controversial gaming opinions. And I figured before I get into them, I might, I might try and break my fear, break the ice with you guys, my best friends on air. We can talk about some other controversial gaming opinions we have together collectively and be like, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll feel better about it. And we can maybe dig deep into my 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 rooted fears of speaking in public. What what do we? I think that sounds great. Hugo, have a you share first some controversial gaming opinion that you have. Um, I think that um, I should be handing this off to someone else because I good. didn't read this section. Um, before doing this, so I'm still trying to, still trying to formulate something in my mind that relates to this. Um, you just give me a minute. Um, yeah, I'm also like, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's okay. I'm happy to sort of. I'm happy to take it away while you ponder, Hugo. Um, I will. You, you do that. I'm going to right do now. like a rerun, but go. go back to you, Eleni. Um, it was like, wow. Instead of bouncing, I will bounce to you. No, that's right. We'll we'll freestyle here, folks. That's okay. Hugo will ponder while I'll take it away. Um, one of one of my probably probably most controversial gaming opinions, and I'm sad Connor's not here because Connor would be ripping me to shreds. Um, you know, I think when people look at like iconic PlayStation games of the past, they think of Crash and Spyro, and I think often people think of Crash as being better games, but I am a Spyro lover at heart, and I think that our little purple dragon is actually a more iconic gaming character than Crash Bandicoot. And I know that lots of people would absolutely disagree with me because Crash is like one of the most beloved gaming series ever. But I think other than like the original trilogy and like Crash Team Racing, uh, the games are not really that great. Like, I don't think that they're anything fantastic whereas i just think like spyro has such solid character worlds i think the soundtrack is actually better than crash you know i think of the original trilogy that iconic soundtrack from spyro um even the recent games you know when they sort of made their like dark edgy playstation 2 games i love the legend of spyro that trilogy is like uh, a guilty pleasure of mine so i think that you know a little purple dragon is a bit more iconic than than Crash. Um, people, I, I'm sorry, I'm shocked. I cannot believe, do people actually believe that the Crash is, is better than Spyro? I mean, think about it. I think Crash is probably a more well-known character than, than Spyro. Spyro's so good. Like, Spyro is so rooted in my love for video games. I, I could not believe anyone believing Crash is better. Well, it's a good thing Connor's not here because I feel <laughs> like Connor would be like... I'll just I'll whip out Crash Boom Bash and I win. Exactly. Um, and another one, probably more recent one that I'm sure Tom, you'll have more to say about, but, um, you know, uh, people love The Last of Us and a lot of people don't love its sequel. Whereas I think The Last of Us 2 is just as good, if not maybe even better than the original. And Tom, I know you're a huge fan of the sequel. So 
do you agree with me that maybe yes. the, the hate it gets isn't really justified? 100%. I do. I legitimately thought leaving the game, I was like, wow, this is one of the best video game experiences I've had in a long time, if not ever. And now everyone hates it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I left, like, I was in shock. It's sort of like when I genuinely liked The Last Jedi. It was the same kind of turnaround. Oh my God, I'm just having an opinion on a thing I really enjoyed. Nope, I'm not allowed to. It, 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 I, I, I couldn't even think of anything in the game that really upset me either. That is that even worse? Is that more controversial that I just had a full-on great time? Like I came home from work excited to play The Last of Us 2. Well, in terms of like playing out like a movie, like even I, every now and then like I watch um like I I loved the game I played it and then like I would go on YouTube and watch you know people would do playthroughs of the game and like just the the fluidity of the gameplay is like nothing I've ever experienced and probably ever will like you would you know there would be like sequences where you'd have you know clickers appear and attack you know human AI and you would just sit in the corner and hide and it would be so realistic you know the way they'd react the way they'd respond run away uh I just think people got a bit too caught up in in some of the politics of the last of us 2 and didn't really appreciate how like quality that game was and you know in recent years when some games have been released like half completed and barely playable like that game released and it was just polished so yeah i'm i'm with you tom i think that um yeah, but we would get probably a bit of trouble for saying how much we love that so that's actually so funny because politics and video games enjoying that is probably a controversial opinion too i will i love my video games with politics give it to me i love political discussions and thought-provoking content i like to to have a, a think uh, you know i don't want a popcorn game uh i don't know if that's a thing but I, i've just named it i made it <laughs> no I, I couldn't agree more tom we're on the same wavelength here but you know hugo what are your what are your controversial gaming opinions if you have any um I think that Super Mario Galaxy 2 is better than 1. Um, a lot of people hold Super Ga- Mario Galaxy 1 very dear to their heart, and that is for understandable reason. Um, but, um, yeah, I just I just love 2 to death. Um, yeah, I just think it, it builds on the original formula, and that's all that you really need in the sequel. And now, folks, I thought we'd just take this time to, you know, discuss some things in the gaming space in video games that maybe we just like take for granted and overlook and one of those things I think is often in action games you know we have protagonists who are action heroes icons charismatic and yet they end up at the end of games or trilogies with a surprisingly high kill count and you know two people that really come to mind here for me are Lara Croft and Nathan Drake you know they're they're adventurers, you know, they're treasure hunters, really. And throughout their games, they ultimately end up killing a lot of people, particularly, you know, in the recent trilogy, the reboot trilogy with Lara Croft, she basically just becomes like a stone cold killer. And I found myself at times playing through the game, particularly the last one, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, where she really is just like climbing trees, like killing animals and just like has no remorse. And I just found myself thinking, like, aren't you, like, an archaeologist? Like, what's happened here? Like, how have you become, like, Rambo? And, like, even Nathan Drake at times, you know, 
those games are so fun you know it's often him and his pals traversing through like the jungle or the desert he's very quippy and then all of a sudden he'll just pull out like a whole arsenal full of weapons and just you know harm and attack a lot of people most of the time you know it's antagonists it's not like these people are shooting innocents in cold blood but I just think you know we we oftentimes just like don't even acknowledge that our action heroes are just doing a lot of damage and you know Tomb Raider does make it a a central point of its narrative like in the last game there's a lot of accountability in terms of Lara Croft basically destroying the world spoilers for people who haven't played the game um so I guess that self-awareness is lovely but a lot of games don't have that self-awareness. So I just wanted to ask you folks, Hugo, what's a, a game uh, series or like a gaming icon that, you know, when you think about it, they they deal a lot of damage. I was thinking more along the lines of um, Gordon Freeman. Because um, while the Combine technically aren't human, they some of them used to be. And, um, you know, there still are, you know, people that you're killing. Um, not so much humans, but other beings that have sentience, you know, even if they are like kind of like a hive mind type situation. But um, another one, I'd have to, uh, I have to pin it on to, um, what's his name? Jack Cooper from Titanfall 2 um, in the campaign. You kill so many IMC grunts, honestly. Like, it's really shocking, like, how much you kill. And you don't get, like, any sort of, like, repercussions or PTSD or anything. Like, he bombs the... he He's pretty much the sole... Not only does he kill a lot, but he pretty much bombs the home planet for the IMC operations. Like, he full-on blows up the entire planet. Like, I don't, like there must be, like, at least a billion people on it. Like a whole planet just boom gone, and um, he was like one of the sole people who caused it. You know, while I'm CR seen as the big bad guys, um, you know, it's still um, still a, a significant amount of loss of life, like scientists and probably even civilians in the process. But you know, anyways, um, Thomas, who did you have in mind? I have I have three people in mind, and one of them you might understand a little bit. I've got uh, kind of four in mind, actually. I've got right off the bat uh, Gandhi, but if you think about it, it makes sense. Civilization, Gandhi's known for uh, being very nuke-ready, and Gandhi as a video game character is very different from Gandhi as a person. Both, uh, though, you know, uh, very iconic, but even more iconic Someone responsible for the most merchandise sold around a comic book character, Spider-Man from the PlayStation 4 games. I will not, I will not ever let anyone argue against this with me. You murder people as Spider-Man in that game. Sometimes you throw people around so much that there is no way that they survived any of that. And I, I think that Spider-Man's body count, endless. Uh, now, this last one is one that I just like to kind of have a cheeky giggle at every now and then. I have uh, celebrities. Now, solely because of DLC and Fortnite, pretty much. So if you're anyone and you make it into Fortnite, like let's say Ariana Grande has a bigger kill count than any of us combined. And it's just how it is. Uh, it'd be easy for me to say like Kirby or like Mario, but Ariana Grande, I think, you know, Keanu Reeves, uh, Slipknot recently joined Smite. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we, when, when digging into body counts, Battle Royales is where it's at, Fortnite, Peak, Ariana Grande. That's my thoughts. 
That is such a good shout. I've never actually thought about that. That like all of the celebrities that end up in like Fortnite, like all of the athletes and stuff, like LeBron yep. James is just like stone cold killer in those games. That is actually a very interesting thing. I've never thought about that. Good old Fortnite for just, you know, really transforming the celebrity game. But hey, you know, we, we've discussed our, our our gaming characters and Hugo's got one more before we head into our song. What have you got for us, Hugo? You talking about Spider-Man's body count um, made me think about other, you know, people who are iconic in the video game space who canonically haven't killed anyone, but you, you shoot them and stuff. But uh, Kazuma Kiryu from uh, the Yakuza series, when you are beating someone's skull in with a baseball bat, I think they're going to be dead. They're not going to be knocked out. When you shoot them point blank with a shotgun, they're going to be dead. But um, yeah, he just, yeah, tons of people he's killed. Um, but yeah, anyway, anyways, that's, that's, that's enough for this segment. Um, let's move on. Guys, we're talking about video games here on Player One. More specifically, stereotypes around them, especially the game community. Now, I got one for you. I'm a PC gamer, people know. I also play consoles. So I'm a bit, I'm in the Venn diagram. I'm in the middle. I'm right there. And I'll tell you right now, PC gaming, it's not better. It's not better than console gaming. I'll set it. I'll stick by it. Um, I think it's kind of the same. I, I think the stereotype's not true. I don't think one's better than the other, but I think kind of like how expensive pc gaming is is it's just just like it, it's too hard for me to say yeah this is definitively the best way to experience video games but that's just that's just one of my hot takes guys i don't know what do you think about that the pc gamers are better than console gamers hugo i know you play pc games as well uh yeah 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 i do i, I also was originally playing on the nintendo wii although that doesn't really count in terms of like the console thing um i have also played on xbox um although i have to say that um there are advantages of being on controller and there's also advantages of being on pc overall i do think that pc is like is greater customization and um it's more down to skill because a lot of games to compensate for the fact that you're using joysticks and not a, a keyboard and mouse add in stuff like um, aim assist and, uh, you know, assists in other forms. Uh, so, that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons why most teams and like competitive Apex Legends, like most of the team, the, most of the players are using, um, you know, controllers and everything so i but i but in general i do think that keyboard has a bit more of a um an advantage but uh in terms of uh stereotypes i'd have to say that um i'd have to say that while while people make pcs out to being like extremely like um expensive to create once you've like built like a base one it's not that expensive to just slowly upgraded over time like it's it's pretty it's it's not as um expensive as a lot of people think one argument i always hear people say is oh okay you know my pc can run all these games at like this quality but also you know i i paid 700 dollars for my playstation 5 and it runs games as well as like a two thousand dollar computer no, but I was going to say that. I was like, maybe, you know, 
back in the day that argument was a bit more valid but nowadays consoles are so expensive anyways that it's like I feel like it's and they're probably only going to get more expensive to the point where I could almost see it just basically being like yeah like Hugo said like just having a PC and upgrading it could almost be more cost efficient than like I don't know say like every couple years when a new console gets released you're almost having to repurchase a PC every now and then um I think that's definitely a very contentious um stereotype and I guess my biggest pet peeve in terms of gaming stereotypes looks more broadly at the community um because I think that while you know people have sort of moved away from this idea of gaming as being you know a a quote-unquote boys hobby or you know something that male identifying figures are drawn to um it's still something I find myself coming up against all the time, you know, as a, a young queer female identifying gamer, I think oftentimes people don't really take you seriously. And it's something that I just always find myself, you know, coming up against. And I think that's sort of where that stereotype is now led to. I think people know that, you know, a lot of women, a lot of young girls play games, people of color play games. I think we've moved past, you know, this idea that only boys play games or male identifying figures play games. Um, I think now the the manifestation of that is that, you know, you look at things like esports or more competitive play. I think that's where sort of that, you know, uh, basic understanding of the gaming community and who's in it is where it, it gets a bit trickier. I think, you know, you look at Twitch streaming, for example, you know, I've done coverage and written pieces and you know um there was a study last year from twitch where they looked at users of twitch and 65 percent of them fell within the 18 to 25 bracket and they were they identified as uh straight white men so i think that you know when you look at the competitive people or the people who really engage with the gaming community i think there's still that idea that it's um I guess a male dominated hobby, but it's not because the gaming community is made up of everyone and anyone. And why wouldn't it be? Because it's like the best hobby ever guys. Like, honestly. Um, Yeah. So that's probably my, my pet peeve in terms of gaming stereotypes, but you know, the good thing about stereotypes, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. There's a bit of truth, but you know, usually we're going to break away from those stereotypes. And honestly, in terms of the whole PC versus console debate, we're definitely going to break away from that because when those, you know, PS6s and whatever the new Xbox is called comes out, they're probably going to be like a a bajillion dollars worth. So like, really, it's going to be PC will be more accessible. But folks, anyone listening in, if you've got stereotypes that really bother you, Hit us up on our socials. I play one sin, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know if there's any we haven't discussed, if you agree with us, disagree with us. But now in this segment, um, my two co-hosts, Eleni and Thomas, are going to be breaking down the Thor Love and Thunder trailer and um, discussing it. I, of course, am not very much of a Marvel fan, um, so I'm not going to be partaking in this, nor have I actually seen the trailer. So I will hand it over to those two and they will break it down for your ears only feels exciting to be exclusive right now talking about thor love and thunder keeping it exclusive you guys you're gonna hear all about our thoughts now of course we might be spoiling the trailer as we talk about this but i mean if you haven't checked it out you can't pause the radio maybe turn us down watch it real quick and then come back because we'll still be talking about it i am very excited for this only i don't know about you but seeing another taika watiti movie coming out it always gets me revved up i'm a huge uh, film fan and Tiger Watiti has been nailing it recently and this trailer uh, it makes me think we're going to get another another banger um, 
the the sweet child of mine running in the background is a bit cliched i feel for movie trailers at the moment like getting a, a an old pop song and just kind of giving it a new spur of life but seeing jane foster natalie portman as the mighty thor made me made me like i guess squee a little bit i don't know is that what people call it when you like you make a high-pitched noise of excitement oh yeah 100 percent. and i could not agree with you more i think um the the trailer just looks so so good and you know taika waititi obviously is a great director and like in all honesty completely saved the character of thor when he went on to direct ragnarok ragnarok was such a good movie um in large part due to sort of how it i guess um diverged from you know what we'd previously seen from thor but previously seen from other marvel products and this movie looks just as wacky and exciting and fresh um I mean, some notable moments from the trailer were the little interactions we got between Thor and Jane. Um, particularly, I love sort of the the dynamic of him being sort of the heartbroken, lovesick, um, I guess, ex-boyfriend to, to Jane, who um, obviously looks fantastic in her Thor getup. Um, anyone who sort of, I guess, has read the comics or sort of potentially knows the origins of why Jane becomes the mighty Thor um, is that she gets cancer and uh while that wasn't confirmed in the trailer taika has confirmed that her origins in the role will kind of not diverge too much so interesting in that the film does seem very light and fluffy and upbeat but there could be a sort of a more serious note with that but speaking of the light and fluffy i think the the standout scene from the trailer and something that my tiktok feed is just blown up over is um the scene where thor is clearly sort of I don't know, in captivity or has been, you know, taken captive by the Greek gods. And we see uh, who is clearly Zeus played by Russell Crowe, which is just perfection in terms of casting, um, does this little flick move. And then all of a sudden Chris Hemsworth's Thor is just naked. And I just think that is hilarious. I mean, it blurs out like the private parts. Um, But I was just like pissing myself that whole trailer. I was like, this just seems so funny. I mean, Valkyrie looks fantastic. I'm glad that everyone's kind of gotten a bit of a makeover. Um, yeah, I don't know, Tom, what were the standout moments for you in this trailer? One big thing for me was I'd been paying attention to some of the toy leaks and the post leaks, and we'd seen an early look of Gore the God Butcher in the toys. And Gore the God Butcher in the comics is a very alien-looking alien. They don't look as much humanoid. They've got big floppy ears. Uh, and I, I was a bit... Like, oh, this, it, it looks strange. Christian Bale's interpretation of the character looked very like humanoid and very monochromatic. And I was interested to see how that would play out. And we do see in the trailer, they hold the Necro sword. Uh, and then most of the scenes they're in, they're, they've like got some black ichor all over them. And it's like, it's there's no color. It, it felt like, okay, we're getting the fun lightheartedness of Thor. And then we're getting this, sad depressing like villain take that i know taika Waititi does so well fitting like blending uh drama and intense emotions with comedy that like i guess that huge contrast in the color makes me feel even more excited for the the weight and the impacts that the gore might have over this now some moments of the trailer that were notable we did see valkyrie the new king of asgard wielding lightning from uh odin not odin um Zeus, which might make something's going to go wrong with Zeus. Zeus normally likes their lightning. I'm not going to say exactly. I don't know for sure, but 
as well, we saw uh, Jane with the hammer and yeah that's so exciting like talking again about like maintaining those origins it's i think it's really important as like having characters who have real life flaws go on in their life such as cancer or and other like um disabilities that might impact someone's daily life i i love when characters explore more human depths rather than just oh you know they have a superpower now uh one thing that I think that's really nice, we didn't talk much about it on the trailer. We saw Valkyrie having some banter with some of the characters, but Valkyrie is the new king of Asgard and is supposedly looking for their queen, which uh, queer representation in the MCU has been okay. Eternals, I think, did a really nice job. I was going to say, other than Eternals, I feel like, I, we, I, yeah, yeah, I'll just say Disney, Disney don't have the best reputation when it comes to <laughs> representation. Yeah, uh, which... Okay, so yeah, Eternals, I thought, fantastic job, honestly. Uh, but we, we want more. We're real people. We exist. So seeing that come through potentially in the plot, uh, it gets me very excited. But then again, we didn't see it in the trailer. Leaves me to beg. Begs the question, what's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I, just, I can't wait for this to come into our hands, especially naked Chris Hemsworth. You know, sure, we love it. Who doesn't want any of that in their life? Yeah, that's um, that's just marketing genius, really. Uh, and I think um, before we sort of head into our next song, the thing that I'm so excited about for this movie is that, you know, and and Dem and I discussed this on our little podcast special where we dissected Multiverse of Madness. So anyone who's seen that movie, go check out mine and Dem's discussion. But um, I'm really keen for Thor because I obviously love Marvel and all of their products, most of them, but. I'm excited to see a movie that hopefully isn't too kind of invested in the multiverse. I think we've kind of been overdone with it. And as much as I love Doctor Strange, it was definitely sort of a bit everywhere. And, you know, obviously loved Spider-Man, um, but, you know, it was very much so a film of cameos. So I'm excited for just a standalone film, hopefully, that actually follows like its titular character. I think that would be really exciting. Um, and, you know, Thor's definitely a, an oldie but a goodie and it's got a great supporting cast great supporting characters and i'm very excited to see what the crew does so anyone who's a marvel fan um be keen for that film because the trailer go ahead i have one note i thought that might be worth bringing up main villain of the film cold on the trailers at least most likely in the film gore the god butcher a lot of tension a lot of romance going on is this gonna be thor's last movie maybe is gore gonna butcher thor Hi, I'm Dan Golding, a video game composer of Untitled Goose Game and others. Uh, you're listening to Player One on Sin. I'm speeding through because I'm just so excited. We're going to do a little bit of a quiz, a little competition hosted by yours truly. No, sorry. That's not how you segment. I meant Eleni. Uh, I was going to say your host of this evening, Eleni. There you go. I did it. We're going to quiz. You did do it. I mean, we're almost the same person, given that your first name is Thomas and my surname is Thomas. So... Yeah. I did laugh earlier because Hugo, you said like Eleni and Thomas. And I was like, that's, that's basically just saying me. <laughs> what a coincidence. I know. What are the odds? Um, but yes, of course, anyone who's listened to play one knows we always love to end the quiz, uh, end the show, sorry, with our lovely quiz. For those who haven't tuned in before the way it works is I will read through questions. I have got 10. So we're going to do five, head to music, come back to the next five. Uh, if one of my contestants, so Hugo or Tom, knows the answer, they will buzz in with their name. Whoever I hear first will be able to guess. And whoever has the most points at the end, 
they win bragging rights and they also win the rights to to write the quiz next week so without further ado first question folks what is the name of the final course in most mario kart games tom Tom. rainbow road that is correct very very well done we all know rainbow road for better or worse um for some good memories some bad but that is the point for you tom you're on one hugo's on none next question v bucks are the in-game currency for which famous hugo fortnite ding 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 well done well done hugo i feel very accomplished for getting that one that was a that was a good one you should you should i would not have known that i wrote the quiz and i was like oh that's so interesting i didn't actually know that um just goes to show how, how big of a fortnite fan i am me exposing my lack of knowledge um but hey we're gonna move on to our next question nintendo began as a company selling which products hugo hugo cards i believe ding 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 very good hugo Hugo's just Ready to play this week. Two points to Hugo, one to Tom. I'm very proud that um people are actually answering my questions. I think anyone <laughs> anyone who's listened before knows that sometimes Dem and I have a habit to go a bit too niche on our on our quizzes. So I kept it nice and broad. There is no theme for anyone listening in. This is just a random little mix of of gaming questions. And my next one is is similar to the the first one, but hey. What is Pearl's signature color in Splatoon 2? Hugo, is it white? Womp wow, that is uh, incorrect. Tom. All right. Tom. Purple. Womp wow, that is also incorrect. I'll give you both one more guess. All right. Um, is it like light green, is it? That is also incorrect. Okay, right. Tom, Tom, this is your last. Go ahead, Tom. What have you got? Pink. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. Oh. That is correct. Oh, Wait, is, <laughs> is Pearl the, the, the white one? Or am I thinking of the other game? Uh, there, there's one that's like, there, there's one of them that's like white. And then the, um, and then, and then her partner is like someone with like a dark skin tone. Do, do, you, do you know which pair that I'm talking about? Are you thinking of Marie and Kelly? Yes, yes, that's who I'm thinking of. Damn, okay. That's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I was talking Hello. about Pearl Hugo and Pearl. Yeah, I'm sorry that I don't know my my Splatoon lore. It's not really top of my list of priorities here. No, that's okay. That's where we needed James to just appear out of nowhere and be I get like, the answer right. yeah. I, I've got this covered. But hey, Tom, we didn't need James because we had you and you got the question right. Tom. That is, that is 2 2, which means we've got one more question for this half of the quiz before we go into our next song. And it is also coincidentally a Nintendo-based question. Question number five, folks, is which was the first Nintendo console to use optical discs? Tom. Tom. The Nintendo 64 had an extension that you could put it into. I guess I should have been a bit more specific with my questioning. I was more so... Like, yep, what was the first console? I yes. can say it again, GameCube. Correct. Very, very good. You caught me out there. That was I wasn't even expecting anyone to think of that. Um, I watched too much Scott the Woz. I just can't help myself. 
no, I appreciated that. You kept me on my toes. I'll have to make sure that my line of questioning is more specific so I don't get caught out, but that is correct. GameCube, very well done. That brings us to the end of the first half of the quiz, folks. For anyone who was listening in and got those questions right, got them wrong, let us know. But Hugo, you are on two points for the moment. Tom is on three. Anyone's game at this stage, but it is quiz time. Of course, you would know that because the first half is already done. And it was a very successful first half, actually. All of the questions got answered, which is, you know, a bit of change of pace from what maybe we're used to on player one. But Hugo and Tom, they're here. They're ready to go. They've been on their A game. Hugo is on two points at the moment. Tom is on three. We've got five questions left. It's anyone's game. And we're going to find out who's going to take home the crown. Question six, everyone. Who is the first character you play as? in Injustice 2. Hugo. Hugo. say Batman? That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Very, very Lovely. good. Very good answer. Was it a bit of a guess? Please be honest. Oh, an educated guess. I wouldn't say it's a complete guess, but like I've seen like gameplay from it and stuff and I've seen the opening cinematic and I know like the, the gist oh. of the story. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've got some deep cut lore, like memories of injustice and like on the comics, but uh, yeah, I was, I was lost. No, that was, a, that was probably a, a very good guess. It was either going to be like Batman or Superman. Um, The best part of the injustice games is like the interactions between all of the, the characters. I always love that. It's like all over my TikTok feed. It's just like, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn just flirting with each other all the time. Um, <laughs> anywho, next question. So that has evened us up at three apiece. This is honestly shaping up to be one of the great battles of any quiz. Next question. <clears throat> Which video game series features games that take place in the cities of Liberty City, San Andreas? Oh, Tom, I heard you first. Grand Theft Auto. Ding, ding, oh, ding. Very nice. I knew that you know the heck out of Grand Theft Auto as well, Hugo, and I was so ready. To, oh, like, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I feel like GDA is the kind of thing where, like, you just say Liberty City or Vice City or San Andreas, and most, I feel like most gamers will probably know you're talking about GTA. Um, yeah, I don't actually know that much about GDA. I'm not going to lie. I don't know where you got that assumption from. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, yeah, I don't know. Ready. I was on the wall. I've, I've played a few of them, but you know. Rumors that the next one is Liberty City as well. Recently, I've been staring. I mean, they've been staring since the dawn of time that GTA 6 is going to yeah. be something yeah. Liberty City. Anyways. Well, I, for one, would love them to remake san andreas and i don't mean no they did they did I, already yeah, no, no, they no, no, did no. what are you talking about Figure, I, I don't know what you're talking about because i have blanked any potential remaster that may have happened this year um or end of last year from my mind and i want a proper one and um anywho we'll move on from that um to our next question which is who developed crash bandicoot tom tom naughty dog Correct. Ding, ding, ding-a-ling. Very good. Naughty Dog, of course. Uh, fantastic developer. Have also created things like The Last of Us, which, you know, Tom and I were discussing before. Games we love. Um, they create great content, folks. And just to give a bit of a, a recap before we get to the next question, I believe, Tom, is that is that you on four points? Five, five. points. Five points to Tom. Is that three points to Hugo? Yes. Three, yeah, three. 
So it's five to three, folks. How many do we have left? We have two left, but more points than just two are up for grabs because this next question, you both have the chance to get two points each. It's do or die for me right now. It is do or die, and this is your chance. You go, question number nine, name two squad mates in the Mass Effect series. Nah, I'm out. Yeah, same, same. Totally out. out. I haven't played a single Mass Effect game. Yep, neither. Oh, neither. You did it. You did the niche one. Yeah, there it is. You, you, you jinxed it. Oh, uh, there's not... the there's the big dude who wears armor. Uh, yeah, there's a blue oh, yeah, lady one. one. The blue the, person. The big dude. Who, lady, the big you know? dude who wears armor. There's yeah, the, the, that there's one. the shy lady who's like. Oh, I'm fairly oh, sure there's also an alien there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's yeah. yeah of, the, I think there's the one alien. Yeah. Yeah, there's at least one. At least one. Mm. At least one alien. Four aliens. Um, I'm. What are their names? Tell us. Well, I I just thought being true was like saying true was generous because there are yeah, like so if, many. What if, what if we've never uh, played the games? Commander yeah. Shepard. Why? Well, the main character. That is the main character. Yeah. <laughs> Even I know that. Yeah. Um. Well. Okay. Yeah. You're right. I did throw one niche one in. Um. You know, I thought it's not I, really niche because it's actually a really mainstream game. Yeah, I thought it, like one of the most popular game series ever, and like all you had to name was two characters. For example, folks, you could have said Erdnot Rex, who is the the Krogan with Forgotten the big the armor name already. Yeah. Erdnot Rex, Garrus Vicarian, Liara Tassoni, Tali Zora Vas Normandy, Miranda oh, Lawson, Samara, Jack. Who else? Can't forget got? Jack. Could have said Jack. That's a good, that's yeah, a free yeah, one. Yeah, but Sam. Yeah, you could have just spelled it. Sam. You, you know? could have. No. Tom. No Edie. Tom's my favorite crewmate, you know. Oh, but what about, what about Tim? Tim, yeah? No, Ashley He's Williams, Caden Alenko. So many. Oh, Caden Alenko. Oh, you know what? I'm embarrassed, folks. I'm so sorry. All right, last question. Do or die? Honestly, we, we just need to apologize. Let me just, I just got to take a moment to recover from the fact that no one knew that, but that's okay. That was your chance, Hugo. And I guess this does mean that Tom is the winner, but we'll still. There's still one more. There is one more, but oh, you're on three. Four, five. Last yeah, question, next Surely next one's Maybe I'm points. so bad at this question. No. Steal it away. This one's a nice, easy one to end it. But last question, folks. Um, Who released the first flight simulator game? Hugo. Hugo. Ah, thank you. I didn't know there was an echo in this room. Who's there? Never mind. Um, no one's there. I double checked this morning. Don't worry, there's no one under my bed. Regardless, um, I know that it's under Microsoft now, so I'm gonna just say Microsoft in general. Yeah, Microsoft. And that is a great answer because that is the okay. correct answer. Ding, oh, ding, glad ding. to hear it. It's five all. It's it's yeah. It's even tie. Uh, tie Think of one. I've run a tight ship on this on this this quiz. Um. Is it five all? No. Yeah, I didn't no. think. Look at Hugo no. trying to play mind games with me here. I believe that means <laughs> Tom is our champion for this round. Well done, Tom. That was a very competitive you, quiz. Um, it was, especially a lot of the ones Hugo got right. I was like, wow, I think I know that. And I'm sure a lot of the ones I got right, Hugo was fastest the same. So like mouth in the West, except for when I'm not. Yeah, that's yeah, my that- favorite video game quote: "Fastest others in the West." And, and folks, anyone listening in, if you got those questions right, if you got them wrong, let us know on our socials. If you, like me, were a bit heartbroken that they did not know any of the squad mates in Mass Effect, please spam our social medias. Name them all. Give us your favorite squad mates. Mine is, of course, Liara because she's the best. But, you know, other because gra- she's hot. No comment. 
Hi, I'm Elmza, and you're listening to Player One on Sin. Um, this is the end of the show, and because of that, I'm not very uh, well-versed in uh, the wrap-up, so I'm going to hand it off to Eleni, um, who will give you the full spiel, and um, I'm going to tune out and watch ESA Marathon. Give me a moment. Well, cool. Thanks for just leaving us hanging, Hugo. But that's okay because you're right. I do love, I do love the wrap up here, at Player One. Um, and we've got so much to tell you before we, before we depart for this evening. Because you know, folks, if you want to follow us on social media, I'm going to let you know where you can do that. Because if you head to at Player One Sin on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we keep you up to date on any great content we've got coming up. Any fun little news bits? If we've got any food for thought, we usually chuck it up on the Twitter. So give that one a follow to check out what we've all got going on. Of course, some of that great content includes podcasts. You know, we upload our radio show episodes. We do podcast versions every week. But on top of that, you know, we do previews, we do reviews. We've got our battle of the brands, and the next episode, which is the Xbox One, will be up for you to enjoy sneak peek i am a beast but you'll have to find out what i was battling for and against and if you want to check that out you just had to at player one sin on of course all the great podcast realms we've got omni apple podcast google podcast and spotify like i said we've got other content we've got lots of reviews with local twitch streamers up on there so check those out as well and you know if you want to see our lovely faces as well as our lovely voices that you hear head to YouTube. We've got great content there. Lots of our interviews are up on YouTube. So check all those out. We're on TikTok as well. Dem makes some fabulous, fabulous TikTok content. So check it all out. As I said, we're basically everywhere and everywhere, but nowhere. And as we, as we say farewell this evening, I will hand it off to my lovely co-hosts to wrap up with their final words. Tom, what would you like to say to our lovely listeners before we bid them farewell? There's so many things that I would love to say, but I think I'm going to end it on uh, that, you know, despite all the video games I play, I just lost the game. You know, it's just such a shame. It is a shame, but maybe on a on a more positive note, Hugo, if you're back with us, if you haven't just left us hanging after throwing the wrap up to me, what would you like to say to our dear listeners? I have no regrets. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I get it. It's late. We're all I love tired. you just floundering there for a second. You're like, hmm. Yeah, he, he really did that. Um, yeah, no. Um, pleasure as always. Um, thank you for having me. Uh yeah. I'll see you in two weeks. Good. Thank you. That was much better. I was about to say I regret having you on the show. Joking, <laughs> love you. No, my one regret is um thinking that either of you knew anything about the Mass Effect universe. That's okay. I'll it's find just my not hey, a good I've got game. I've got a huge backlog. Okay. Tom, did That's you just my say it's controversial not a good opinion. Game. There you go. That was the one I was hiding, guys. <gasps> it's not a real game. Wow. It's not a real game. Wow. Well, well you know, please, anyone who likes Mass Effect, give me some love on the social medias. But for now. It has been a pleasure, Tom and Hugo. I have loved chatting with you all. But for now, I bid you farewell. Have a lovely evening. And we will be back at the exact same time next Monday night. Farewell from Player One.